Hello, everyone, and welcome to our RBQM podcast series. My name is Amy Adams. I'm a Senior Director in Operational Excellence and Delivery here at Parkcell. I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Chris McDavid, who's a Director in Clinical Operations at Parkcell. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Amy. I'm happy to be here with you today. We're glad to have you here. So just to kick us off, our podcast series, we've been talking about RBQM for some time, about how it ensures patient safety, data quality, security, and the validity of the study results. A lot like RBQM, decentralized trials, or DCT, is also an approach for conducting clinical trials. And patients are really at the center. It's about bringing the trial to the patient. The data journey is also very important with DCT, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today We'll discuss some questions to ask when developing a risk-based quality management framework for decentralized trials. So let's get started. So Chris, while the patient journey needs to be at the center of all clinical research decisions, the data journey is equally important. So where do you start when thinking about managing risk with DCTs? Well, Amy, you really want to start at the start. In other words, we want to start by thinking about how we're going to create protocols with quality by design in mind. Of course, in the CRO world, we don't always have that opportunity to create the protocol, I mean. So we're really starting from a sponsor's final protocol. And at that point, we really want to make sure that we're doing an initial project risk assessment and categorization. We want to take into consideration the critical to quality factors that are going to make the trial a success. What sort of risk controls would be put in place around those critical to quality factors? And In the case that issues do arise, what sort of remediations would we be putting in place? Great. So with decentralized trials, what are some of the risks that you see? It's interesting, right? Because some of the risks are behavioral risk that really are around the patients themselves and the primary investigators, but then also there are some risks associated with technology. Just a few to think about when we think about primary investigators. These are individuals that are experts in their field. They're used to practicing in traditional clinical sites and having control over their data, right? And then also how the assessments for collecting that data are performed. And when we go into a decentralized sort of trial design, some of those activities and data collection are taking place in other venues. And then from the perspective of the patient, maybe the patients aren't yet comfortable with non-traditional clinical sites. So maybe this is something happening in their home with a home health nurse, perhaps at a mobile site or a satellite clinical site, or even telemedicine. Of course, the good news is, is a lot of folks are really familiar with telemedicine from that being something that's more prominent the last couple of years, and folks are really becoming more accustomed to that. And then when we think about technology, right? Everybody loves technology, as long as it's being used with the proper intent. So when we think about protocol design, and what are those critical data points that are associated with your primary and secondary endpoints, your safety endpoints, the use of technology should really be with the true objective of intent what data needs to be captured, how should it be captured, and for what purpose. And then we think about sites. There are some sites that may already be implementing the use of EMR technology or other sorts of remotely accessed data portals. And then there's others that aren't quite there. They're not quite in that space yet. And so that might be a bit of a risk for being able to engage and interact with those sites. The patients themselves. Certain patient populations aren't quite as comfortable 
using technologies or they're not quite as familiar, right? We have a whole generation of folks that have now grown up in the digital age, but that doesn't apply to all of us. So what is the patient's comfort factor and familiarity? And then the data systems, because of course we have the patients in mind, but we need to be able to work with the data. So do we have systems that are able to integrate with each other? How does this affect the data flow? Are we able to get outputs on the other end? And these are all just points we really need to take into consideration and make the right choices around our trial design. Thanks, Chris. I think you've really done a great survey of some of the varied risks that would arise on a DCT trial that need to go in that initial and ongoing risk assessment. So risk-based quality management, in addition to the risk management process, risk-based monitoring is a core component of RBQM. So how do DCTs factor into the risk-based monitoring strategy on the trial? The clinical monitoring strategy really should complement the trial design. So when we think about decentralized trials, there should be the proper mix of on-site monitoring visits, remote monitoring visits. And in the case of remote monitoring visits, do sites have the ability, again, for us to be able to access data off-site so that if they have the right technology and maybe the local laws allow, we're able to perform SDV and SDR remotely rather than all of these activities on-site. And further to that point, a lot of data is captured using vendor technology or using technology in general. What Maybe that's a wearable, maybe that's a sensor, and that data is only accessible through a vendor system or a technology-based model or through that output. And so you, you wouldn't be sending a monitor to a traditional site for that sort of activity either. Now, on the whole, we want to make sure our site monitoring activities are really underpinned by centralized statistical data monitoring or centralized statistical data analysis, if you will. And by doing this, by really defining what matters right up front, we're able to define our quality tolerance limits. So what is essential to the success of the trial, but also the safety of the patients, our key risk indicators that we want to make sure that we are tracking and managing, and the identification of any sort of sites or regions or even patient populations that maybe are struggling to understand how assessments are performed or a scale is completed properly or the use of a, a certain technology that may be employed. And by performing our centralized statistical analysis, we're able to really interrogate the data, surface any sorts of areas that may need a bit more attention, and then have our monitors really act on those findings in a considered manner. And then, of course, it really is the regular and focused interrogation of the critical data that allows us to conduct these decentralized trials and really meet the patients where they're at. Another thing to be considered there is by being able to meet the patients where we're at, in a lot of cases, we're able to engage with patient participants that otherwise might not be participating in clinical trials. And then from the operational side of things, in some cases, we're able to reduce timelines around data efficacy analysis and ultimately submissions as well. Which is very attractive, you know, positive aspects. So thanks for sharing that. So decentralized trials in some respects have been around for a while, but the field is changing. We had some dynamics in the COVID pandemic and now post-COVID and technologies are getting further along and that kind of thing. So how can sponsors and CROs learn from these experiences to inform future DCT studies? 
Well, I'm sure there are many, many things we could take into consideration, but just a few things that come to mind. We do want to make sure we are cataloging our risk, the risk associated with the trials, actually making sure that we are cataloging the occurrence or the frequency of certain sorts of activities or issues that may surface, and then apply those lessons learned across programs and across the design of future trials so that we just get better along the way, right? And then when we think about the use of technology and the use of different types of technology, we should be able to really take into consideration what has the adoption been like? What has the value of using a certain technology, what has that output really been like? And do we want to use the same sort of technologies again for the next trial? Is there an adjustment to be made? Is there a way to use the same sort of system or just for an example, wearable, if you will, but in a more effective manner? And you know, one more thing I would like to mention is decentralized trials, and especially now that they are becoming more prevalent, we should be paying attention to what sort of patient populations maybe that weren't so fully engaged in the past, whether that's on a regional basis or certain communities, identifying what therapeutic areas folks are participating more or less in, and sort of dig into that data a little bit and explore ways that we could reach underserved populations in the future. Indeed. Chris, thank you. This has been a great conversation today. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely, Amy. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for your time. And if you missed any episodes of our RBQM podcast series, you can find them on parkcell.com or wherever you found this podcast. <laughs>